The Paunch Steven Song Show. PaunchStevenSong.com. Episode 291. Sunday, June 18th, 2017. Here with the uh, the chef, Chef Boyardee, chef Boyardee, Alex. Say hello. Hello, Alex. It's me. I'm cooking up a storm here, and we're about to talk about a couple things today. A couple movies that we watched. A um, couple of celebrities that have uh, sadly passed oh, away. Wrapped out. Oh, damn it. That was on a roll too. Uh. Well, first, I don't know if you if you follow the E3. I don't usually, but they uh, the uh, the Retron people, uh, the Hyperkin. Yes. They're yeah, they're gonna make an Atari twenty six hundred uh, system. Uh, it's fully, and it's not supposed to be uh, emulation. It's supposed to be hardware. Uh, not not if I remember correctly, it's not supposed to be. Um, uh, Software emulated. It's supposed to be full hardware this I time. I don't know about that. That's what I've heard, but I could be wrong. Uh, I know, I know they did do. Uh, I think it, no, that was retro. They did a. Uh, well, it's it's it is hardware, but a lot of us are very skeptical of the compatibility. But other people said it was ugly. But I mean, it gives you. It's the first true HDMI uh, system, you know, out of the box that you can play the uh, 2600 on. Oh, yeah. I, um, in, in regards to that, I don't know. Me personally, how hard could it be to emulate something that's so old, in my opinion, You'd accurately? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I mean, I could see, I could see issues with with like more modern emulation well, like the Sega Saturn yeah but the the uh, the at games uh, the Genesis by the way the at games company are coming up with a new flashback for the Genesis that finally will be in a shell that is the same as the model one Genesis they're also it, it'll be HDMI they're also doing a uh, 2600 flashback again which is now HDMI so they're but the problem is with the the Atari, this is how stupid they are at games. The console version, you can't add any games. However, that handheld version they have, you can put games on the SD card. Yep. That's pretty much what they did with the um, was it the, the first gen, uh, yeah, generation yeah. Genesis that they did, the little yeah. white one that they did. And you, yeah, you could put stuff on the micro SD card and then play them that well, way. Well, you can still, the Genesis one, you can also do that, and you can put cartridges in. You know, a problem with the one that I have is the uh, emulation's a little sucky. The The sound quality is slowed down. Supposedly we'll the uh, supposedly the Genesis one, they fixed the sound, but we'll, uh, I guess it's a wait and see. What's the price point? Oh, uh, I mean, the At Games stuff is probably, it's probably... 60 but then you know you go to like the discount stores they're a lot cheaper the retron thing i don't know yeah, it's probably it. 60 70 bucks i would say well i've seen it roughly for about like about 75 80 
the Retron Five? No, 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 no. The Retron Five goes for about one hundred and forty. What? Retron Five? Yeah, oh. one hundred and forty, one hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, if you're lucky, you'll find a sale for about one hundred and twenty to one hundred. That's ridiculous. But yeah, the going price for a Retron Five, uh, with the um, with the Bluetooth controllers, I think it's Bluetooth, the wireless controllers, yeah. is about one hundred and forty dollars. I think that's infrared. You know. Um, oh well. I mean, it, it's the emulation is pretty good on on the Retron Five. Um, I and you know you have some nice features on it, and now they have the three in one. Yeah. Uh, adapter. So if anybody wants to play like the Sega Master System or the Sega, um, the, the Game Boy Advance. Game Boy, uh, no, no, Game Boy Advance to play. But I'm talking about the Genesis, strictly Genesis. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to play stuff like, um, uh, let's say, uh, Sega Genesis. Um, I'm sorry, no, it already could play Sega Genesis. What, what it, the three-in-one adapter does? You could play the Sega Master System games. The um, Game Gear games. Oh, yeah, that's right. Game the Game Gear. Gear games. And I forget the other ones. There was a Sega Master System card games. The little thinner games. Yeah, they're, they're, so, those were the... Uh, they were, like, very low 8-bit. Not very good games. But in order to do that, though, you have to do a firmware update. You can't just play it straight out. No. Uh, you have to do the firmware update. Otherwise, it's not going to recognize the card at all. You flipping the chicken? Or? Yeah, flipping the chicken. <laughs> that's right. We're cooking as we're... As we're uh, Talking about get some games. of the uh, sizzle. Yeah, you hear that? Mmm. <laughs> anyway, um, I know, I know they they they've taken some large steps with emulation and, and systems and whatnot, but they still have a long way to go. A lot of things are primarily at this point um, emulation, like software emulation based. No, software software emulation based, which is a problem, uh, and a lot of the OSs are. Well, all the OSs are pretty much, uh, for the consoles, are all Android-based. Yeah. So, um, you know, the best way for emulation, I think, in my opinion, currently, obviously, is PC-based. And the reason you know that's the truth, because of the fact that yeah. you have all these different things that you can do on a PC that you can't do on a, on a well, basically, Android. Well, there is, there is another system. It's now called, it was called the Retro Blocks. Now it's called the Polymega. It's still in the design phase. And this is the thing that will have, it's supposed to have like a CD system when it uh, well, when it comes out. You got, now you get games like uh, the TurboGrafx-16 game. That's the other thing. Neo I was thinking Geo about CD. Neo Geo CD. Sega CD. Uh, I don't, I, it's not going to play Saturn. That's too complicated. Dreamcast is probably too advanced. I'm, I'm, uh, PlayStation, I think it'll play out of the box. Well, but uh, PlayStation uh, emulation pretty much has been the problem, perfected on PC, uh, PC. The only issue with that system is the other modules. So, like, what it, it comes with a main module that has a CD drive in it, right. and then it also has Sega Genesis. But then, if you want NES or possibly Atari or Turbo Graphics or Super Nintendo. You have to buy individual modules for it, which may end up costing you a lot more than four hundred dollars for all the systems. Right. But thing is, like I said, the good thing about Android devices is you, well, you don't have to worry about getting a virus or uh, mm -hmm. or pretty much like getting a screwed up thing in terms of um, software conflicts compared to a PC. You know, they they figured it out. I guess beforehand. Yeah. 
However, there are limitations on an Android device that um, in terms of compatibilities and again, the developers, you, you need to tweak it a little better. I think it's easier to tweak on a PC in my opinion, I could be wrong, than you could on an Android device. Yeah. That's, what I, that's what I think. I, I could be wrong. I'm just a simple layman here. You probably are. Um, I probably am, but yeah. but um, burgers done here. Uh, no, no, no. Burgers are still not done. They're, st they're still moo on the inside. Ah, see, you hear that? Ah. <laughs> um, but yeah, emulation emulation still has a way to go. Primarily on some of the other systems, like for example, uh, well, my favorite topic is the Sega's. Saturn and how no. they still haven't perfected that and people are saying that it's because uh, the Saturn had multiple cores had two cores nah, it's just it's uh, no nah, it's just it's a very it was a very complicated system and the other problem is it was it wasn't until very recently this guy in Australia that he actually cracked the Saturn so basically he designed a device that was able to read data and figure out how data moves throughout the entire motherboard, basically, which had never been done before. And and so once he's done that, he's actually the one that's developing a USB uh, uh, adapter so you could run games off a hard drive well, or something like what that. What I don't understand is why don't they just, you know, these companies give in and just re-release the original hardware architecture and just release what... They're not going to do that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but they could release them some schematics or something. Why would they do that? Why wouldn't they? Because eh, then they got to support it. Yeah. That's Maybe usually... they should sell it to the highest bidder. Yeah. You know, sell it right, to now the what's, what's that in the cup here? Tea for... For you? For me. While you're grilling, you're drinking tea? Well, yeah. Was, uh, is this cold tea. This, this actually soothes the pores uh. from, from the boiling heat that's coming off the grill. Well, I'm just left to sweat. When you, when you like a little bit of the sweat, get, get Greg a little no, bit. No, that's fine. Uh, now he doesn't want any. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the uh, the video uh, the video game news. Now, uh, the usual segment, celebrity deaths. We're, we're hitting that right off the bat. Uh, firstly, the great Sir Roger Moore died. Yep, no more Bond for him, well, sadly. He, there was, what do you mean no more Bond? He hasn't been Bond in 30 years. Well, I'm saying he will never do it again. <laughs> you know? I, I will say that I was very, I, I was I was unhappy that they never all gave him the chance to voice like a video game like they did with Sean Connery. Well. Because well, I, I think it, he would have actually sounded like these, like Connery did that that game and he sounded awful. He sounded so old. I guess one of the reasons is, is Connery is the original Bond. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the original uh, Cubby Broccoli, um, you know, uh, right. uh, United Artists Bond. Uh, I'm not including um, the I, American Jimmy Bond. Nah, that was, well, that was or, or or the David Niven. Barry uh, Nelson. Uh, Casino Royale. Oh, that's that. Well, that's that was a, a, an aberration, and it was after. It was a spoof. Connery, anyway. Pretty bad. But, uh, I think also the reason was that the Connery uh, EA title didn't sell at all. It got good reviews for its time. It did, but it did not sell at all. I mean, because it was based, it was a, a single-player game in story mode, and nobody wanted that. So, so Roger Moore. Um, my first memory of Roger Moore, believe it or not, is from Cannonball Run. 
Oh, Cannonball Run. Yeah. He was because when when I, I went to a book signing that he had one time, and uh, when I went up to him, I said, I you know I said, listen, um, I said. Uh, I got into Jane, I got into Bond movies when I saw you in Cannonball Run as a little kid, and then I noticed, and then I was watching a Bond, uh, came across a Bond movie, and you were, it was you, and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna watch this. I love this guy," and he he chuckled. Oh. my first experience with Bond was actually, ironically, Seymour Roger, Grossman, by the way. Uh, Roger Moore was my first Bond. I remember Channel Seven in our local area here in Jersey used to play James Bond films. On Sundays at nighttime on Channel 7. And I remember I was uh, home that day. It was a Sunday. I knew I wasn't going to go to uh, school on the Monday. So I ended up watching um, my first Bond, which was The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, That was my first Bond. That was his favorite. And I saw that. And I was amazed by the gadgets and everything. That was with uh, Ringo Starr's wife. Ringo Starr's wife, who? Bach? Yeah. I didn't know Ringo Starr. Barbara Bach. That's, well, it's his current wife. Oh, is it? How many wives did he have? I don't know. He only had two. Oh, wow. Poor drummers. Drummers don't get that many wives, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Peace and love. Yeah. Um, pretty much, pretty much Bond. Uh, I was intrigued by that. And then I saw him in, um, in a Moonraker, mm. which at the time, you know, it's, it's, it's not the greatest Bond. But it's a fun bond. I mean, it's good. a laughable bond, but still a good bond. But the first film I, I, I in theaters I saw with Roger Moore was um, For Your Eyes Only. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that was in that was incredible, just because that was more of a return to the original uh, Cold War era kind of dryness of bond. Mm. And that was, you know, Roger Moore's uh, opportunity to have a serious bond, which he had not had prior to that. Most of his bonds were gimmicky, jokey, uh, full of gadgets, and that particular Bond, uh, for your eyes only, was very minimalist, if you notice, with the the gadgets and everything. But it was also kind of dumb when they were underwater for like half of the movie, and just very slow and plodding along. I thought it was well plotted. I thought it was really great. Um, The way they they ran ran the film. Did you ever watch him in The Saint? Um, I've seen Roger Moore in The Saint. There's another show that he did with uh, Tony Curtis called The Persuaders, which my friend's a big fan of who's trying to get me into it. I'm moving. But they, uh, when you're grilling, you have to move. You got to constantly flip the burgers. Now, getting back to Bond, um, pretty much, well, getting back to Roger Moore, um, he was was, uh, doing a whole bunch of different shows. He also did a couple of westerns as well. Uh, where he actually had uh, and successfully did an American accent for these shows. Um, he's a great actor. I mean, not only that, he was also a very nice guy, from what I hear. He's, yeah. You know, he did a lot of. Uh, well, he did. The, he did all the work for uh, UNICEF. Yep. He was like their uh, spokesperson, their head spokes yep. spokesman or whatever for many, many years. So I mean, not not just that. It was not, uh, besides that, he was also. Um, yeah, humanitarian to say the least, yeah. and an all-around nice guy, and I guess you know very youthful too. I mean, when he passed away, he—I mean, he looked older, but he still was in good shape. He yeah. was—he was—he looked good. He—it's he, a shame yeah. that you know. He the funny thing was, he was—you know—he was, you know, he was uh, a personal friend of uh, Albert uh, Riccoli for many years, as we're now getting grizzled on again. <sighs> 
and uh, and, th and the funny thing is I I um, he did the, the book that I, I got at the signing it was actually like him just writing a lot of anecdotes about the whole Bond franchise he was actually very learned he knew about like every movie oh he's very educated he's very uh, every Bond movie and oh boy hold on we gotta pause All right, so we uh, we had a little rain for about thirty seconds. Damn you, rain! We're kind of back. Uh, yeah, so Roger Moore dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other celebrity death uh, that was unfortunate was uh, Glenn Headley. Glenn Headley. She was an American actress. She was in. Uh, she was the wife in or the girlfriend in Dick Tracy. Was she? Yeah. <coughs> Dick, she was Dick Tracy's girlfriend in the uh, the Warren Beatty movie, oh, wow. and uh, also she was the uh, the girl uh, in uh, Dirty <coughs> Rotten Scoundrels. Yes, yes, that's all I know about. And uh, <laughs> she was also uh, in one of my uh, favorite movies, uh, Two Days in the Valley. Have you ever seen that? I haven't even. Oh, seen you got to see it. It's great. I've never even seen One Day in the Valley. Ah, never even been in the valley. It's great. Danny Aiello. The cast is great. Danny Aiello, Eric Stoltz, her. Um, Marsha Mason, uh, Paul Mazursky. It's it's very funny. From 1996, Shirley Theron, James Spader, and Terry Hatcher. So that was unfortunate. I actually uh, met her one time at the uh, at a Broadway play. As it stopped raining, she was. Uh, <laughs> With Larry David. I think the chicken's done. Is the chicken done? I think so. We'll find out. Alright, we've returned. Now just hot dogs and sausage to be grilled. That's right. And uh, one last celebrity uh, croak. The great Adam West. Yeah, no more Batusi for him. <laughs> Actually... I liked that almost. I thought he was a funny guy. Again, another personality that was um, very admirable. Very, very much like Roger Moore. It's like you never saw a bad side to these actors. Well, as far as I know, there was no scandal. No. Unless you know otherwise. Well, they said Adam West had s slept with eight women a night. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> he didn't. He, he like he didn't have any scandals. Like he beat the you know, no. bitch slap. No, he's not Cosby. Did, you know, I, well, we don't know. That's alleged, my friend. We don't know what he did, but. Uh, anyway. Hung jury. Yeah, hung jury. Uh, no, so uh, Adam West, uh, of course, he was Batman. My introduction to, to the old Batman show was back in the late 80s when I was in grade school. They would uh, Batman would come on, I don't know if it was Nick at Night or if it was just like WPIX. It was like after school, be Batman. Yep. And Channel 11. Yeah, and we would always, uh, and then in school the next day, we would we would uh, act out the fight scenes, you know, with the pow and the whack. <laughs> yeah, and I used to um, watch them when they used to play them on Channel Channel 11. They played them on 11. If I'm not mistaken, for a short time later on, they did play them on Channel 5 for a short time. Um, but, um, yeah, and I... I um, and then he did, uh, he, he voiced Batman a few times. In the cartoon in the 70s. 
I think it was mostly only in the seventies, not a lot. Mostly in like the eighties, I think they had gotten him again. And then he did the uh, the mayor, the mayor Adam West in Family Guy. I remember him. There, here's here's a uh, obscure movie for you. He was in a movie. He wasn't the lead role, but if you want to see him for a little while in a serious role, um, Robinson Crusoe on Mars. He was actually. <laughs> One of the astronauts. Wasn't that before and Batman? Yeah, it was before Batman. And uh, he had this short role in it, and he dies in it. You mm. actually see Adam West death before he died, for real. So, um, did you, you know, they, uh, so they did an animated movie a couple of, like a year or two ago, yep. where him and, and uh, Burt Ward, Lee Merriweather, and uh, I think uh, Julie Newmar, like, voiced their characters. Yep. And I remarked, I, I saw, like, the trailer, and I remarked that, it was like, you know, it was fine, but it was like Adam West is so old. And his voice is so old. He pulled it off. I don't he know. He was able to do it. Even though it was like, hey, no. Robin, no, no, get he, to the Batcave. No, he didn't have that, bo- uh, he didn't have that bit of a voice. I don't know. You know, um, but funny thing is, he actually did, speaking of Batman uh, with him, he actually did a movie with Burt Ward, a live the action. Ba- back, <laughs> back to, to the, the Batcave. Bat That's right. That. And um, it was terrible. It, it, it was. It, it was terrible. Frank Gorshin steals the Batmobile. Yeah, just, another one who's dead. Yes. Jack Gorshin. No more riddles for him. Mm. He's, he's faced the ultimate riddle. The riddle in the sky. You know. It's just all that I am. <laughs> um. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's, we watched that Back to the Bat Cave, and and uh, yeah, Adam West was can't be fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I. It took me a while to get used to it. After a while, like as a kid, I liked it. As an adult, I kind of outgrew it, and yeah, and then I never now, really it. now I kind of can. I, I actually put myself back into that mindset to be able to watch those. Um, I like the grittier Batman myself, but um, but it was all right. I mean, there also you forgot to mention there was also a theatrical movie for Batman for him, the yeah, Batman yeah, movie. Yeah, that was at the, at the end of the series, 1966, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was when they had Lee Merriweather as Catwoman and yep. not Julie Newmar. And it was uh, also, uh, the music was great for the whole series in general. That was all by, uh, what the heck? Oh, you would know. The orchestrations of, uh, huh? Nelson Riddle. That's yeah. right. Nelson Riddle is known for the famous Batman theme. Dun, 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 dun. Batman, yep. And, uh, well, anyway, getting back to Adam West, um... He, he, he maintained his persona, he maintained, he embraced the whole campiness of it, and he made a career out of it, a very successful career at that, and people loved him. He also had a, uh, a cameo, I think it was in the Ant- Batman the Animated Series once, probably, yeah. and then Batman Beyond, I think he was in that a few more times, like that one they actually gave him like a recurring role. That I'm not too sure. Right? Yeah, I think they did. But I know, I know, um, he did have a cartoon, uh, he did reprise his role in two animated series from one in the 70s. Yeah. And also one in the Super Friends era. He also did the voice for one of yeah. the eras then too, um, as well. But yeah, no, he, he's gone. I remember seeing him at the chiller. Yeah, he was a regular at conventions, uh, a little overpriced. His, his manager was kind of a weirdo, kind of a <laughs> jerk. And, uh, you know, is what it is.
So we uh, we've returned. We've eaten stuff. Alex is uh, passed out here. Uh. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some movies. The last time uh, you were on the program, what the hell did we we talked about? Uh, we talked about Rogue One. Yeah, Star Wars, Rogue Rogue One, a few other things, and uh, uh, one of the movies that uh, I don't know if they've mentioned on the show, but um, <clears throat> the latest X-Men movie was technically uh, Logan, which was a uh, movie that starred, you know, Hugh Jackman as uh, Wolverine, Patrick Stewart as Professor X, and uh, also Stephen Merchant was in that one, and uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing, it was a direct, was that directed by Mangold? Mangold directed that I forget, but um, I think he did. But it was a, uh, a very interesting take on the superhero, uh, very uh, uh, gritty take on it. Spoiler, but uh, it advances the uh, the action a few decades. Um, the mutants mostly have been uh, been killed, and there's no more mutants. Uh, there was a, some kind of uh, genetic thing, a virus a, or something. No, there or, was a purge. Basically, they were hunted down. Some of them died. Um, very few of them were left. Yeah, but there was also some kind of a uh, of a, a virus that they put out so that new mutants they wouldn't form or something. No, they just in the course of time, just they were being hunted down. I don't know about the virus, but but, yeah, but I they said know. there was no new mutant that was born for like right. twenty years. It, basically, it was just the gene strain starting to basically dwindle down. That's what happened. And basically, they were like a lot of the mutants, according to the you know the storyline were hunted down. Wolverine uh, is hanging around with Professor X. He's actually taking care of him. And um, he's with another... Um, he was with another mutant as well. Nah. And I'm trying to remember the name of the mutant. Uh, uh, he was like the albino guy. Yes, yes. Uh, um, and basically, they were taking care of Professor X, who, who was getting into these fits. And basically, his character was registered as... A deadly weapon because of his mind. Well, um, he, he was having uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah, he was he was having these seizures though, and these seizures would cause people to freeze. They could possibly even die from the from the force of his uh, yeah um, mental attacks that he, he was being afflicted with. Um, but pretty much, Wolverine comes across um, this this mutation in, uh, of was actually a, a um, spoiler alert uh, who was actually a female clone yeah. of him and it's the reason that happened was because they were this, this particular uh, shadowy company was experimenting on creating new uh, strains of mutants new strains of mutants to uh, to uh, pretty much uh, create like new weapons uh, I guess for the government and, and basically, um, Wolverine gets found out. They find the Wolverine, and they find the, well the little girl, uh, who is uh, X twenty three. That's her designation. She escapes uh, with a nurse uh, who who basically escapes from the institution, and um, they come across Wolverine. They actually seek him out, and they seek his help. And for the most part, it's the story. The other thing is that Wolverine, at this point, at his age. He no longer regenerates right. 
as well as before, so he's like kind of breaking down himself. Yes, uh, the other thing is is the adamantium that's in his body is actually poisoning, poisoning him, him yeah. and uh, he's he's losing his ability to uh, regenerate. is it's, it's weakening, and uh, it's it's just the story is basically his his eventual breakdown, and uh, in a way, I guess his redemption. Um, it, 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 in regards to uh, you know uh, rescuing this little girl, who again is is a is a clone of him, and uh, you know protecting him from the people that are seeking to uh, eliminate her, and the reason they want to eliminate her is because again she is. Uh, she well, there was, was a, it was not just her; it was a bunch of kids. It was a bunch of mutants that were basically being. Uh, well, they were they, they were experiments. They were already mutations, yes. and they developed a more advanced more perfect mutant if you will x24 series and so they wanted to get rid of them so they escape with a bunch of them and then they have to go and find them these uh reavers they're like the bad guys they're chasing them down and then eventually which is actually a surprise that the x24 was actually a like full-on clone of wolverine like as a young you know young one with extra rage yeah and he has to fight him and you know there's just uh some interesting things. Eventually, uh, Professor X is killed, and uh, you really want to spoil it for the audience? No, but come on, it's been out for been out yeah. for a year. Yeah, that's true. Um, He's killed, and you know, Wolverine dies, and blah blah blah. Well, what's interesting too is if because um, this is it. This was the last. This is the last appearance by Hugh Jackman, uh, Hugh Jackman right. and Patrick Stewart. What's What's interesting about the film too, if anybody. Uh, I was interested. There's actually two versions uh, of the film. There's the uh, the color version, and there's actually a black and white noir version mm. that they released. I think they were, those were specifically exclusive to uh, stores like Best Buy, Walmart, and Target. Um, but basically, it's the same movie, uh, but in black and white. That's it? There's nothing uh, else? The only difference I would say in regards to that, if I'm not mistaken is the opening uh, on the black and white they use the old 20th century fox fanfare and logo oh. they kind of did that to give it a, an old style flair for the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. um i mean for those who don't want to shell out you know all you have to do is turn your <laughs> uh. turn your you know your color down on your tv and make oh, it into black well. and white <laughs> but uh i have a feeling that they just didn't release it just you know slap on a coat of black and white they might have used some different type of hues or shadowing techniques to give it a stronger noir feel um but i haven't watched the noir one yet i do have them but i'm definitely going to check them out in the near future pretty much the movie was a lot it was a lot of fun i i uh i went into it not getting any spoilers um for the movie and i and i watched it and i i really thoroughly enjoyed the film uh, i thought it was well done it was uh sad I know X-23, the, the little girl, uh, was interesting. There's a scene where he's, she doesn't talk throughout the first part, part of the movie. Yeah. And then uh, he, he well, says they think something they, to they, her. They think she only knows Spanish. Right. Well, she doesn't. And then she starts arguing with him. And I'm Spanish, so I understood exactly what she was saying. He's like, you know, you talked all this time? After she says, he says, thank something. And she goes, you know, thank you for helping me. She goes, you're welcome in Spanish. And then he goes, what? You knew Spanish? You know how to speak all this time? 
And in Spanish, she goes, I'm not going to speak to somebody who speaks to me that way. Mm. And, <laughs> and that's when he goes, you know, shut up. He screams at her. And it was uh, generally it was a fun movie. It was a very poignant film, to say the least. Um, definitely um, an ending to the um, X-Men genre films, uh, at least the ones with, uh, with the original, uh, you know, characters. Um, I'm sure the other ones that are, that, you know, I guess they're, the, the prequel series that it is, has come out, like First Man, uh, X-Men First Class and all these other ones, they're going to continue. And, um, you know, they'll continue those, but as of the original trilogy, uh, the original series, they're done. It's, it's a shame. Yeah. Well, they're old. Yeah, that's it. But he went out on a good note. Hugh Jackman went out on a good note, and uh, it's a shame. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the end of an era for me, anyway. But, yeah, know, so although that's... although the, the, most of the X-Men movies with, with Wolverine, unfortunately, did kind of suck. <laughs> So that's uh, Logan. The other one, uh, the big one, I guess, the big Marvel one, was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy oh, Volume God. 2. Ugh. You didn't like it? It was Groot of the Galaxy. It wasn't oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. God. It was all Groot. It basically, hey, look, baby dancing Groot. Let's have him dance at the beginning of the show. Let's have him dance during the middle of the movie. Let's have him dance towards the end of the movie. But the concept was, uh, I, I looked at it as the plot of the movie in which... You know, the Star-Lord guy, Chris Pratt, he finds his real father, it's Kurt Russell, who's this, like, extra, you know, this, like, celestial being. Yeah, he's kind of like a, a god-like persona. Right. He's a semi-deity. Yeah, and at first he's, you know, really excited about this. And, you know, they're, oh, yeah, we'll do whatever. And then kind of gets brainwashed by him and, and uh, you know, does not looks looks not, you know, what it seems. But I looked at it as... This was very, very similar to the plot of like a 1980s cartoon or a cartoon movie. It really had that feel, which is why I liked it. Well, what bothered me about the movie... Now, there were a lot of jokes, yes. But that's the problem. It was... You know, every other... Batista Batista character... It it, it lacked lacked, uh, uh, more of a level of seriousness that the first one had. I mean, yes, mind you... It was supposed to be have an edge to the films, but it, it this one part two lacked it lacked that edge. Yeah. It lacked the, uh, the the amount of seriousness. I think the only part that I found serious when Michael was, Michael Rooker called himself Mary Poppins. No, <laughs> when um, when uh, Kurt Russell admits to killing um, Pratt's mother, you know yeah. the, the character Star Lord's mother. And it was kind of like you know this. So, well, that, and he kind of went. In, he came, kind of went back to like a stuntman, Mike uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah, and it was just, uh, it was just uh, that part was interesting. Also, when um, when um, what's his face, uh, Mohawk, um, Rooker, Yandu, Yandu. When Yandu sacrifices himself, um, and and Chris Pratt, Star Lord. Um, is, is like, kind of like shocked. That was a very touching moment. However, they did something that to me is a major no. They milked it. They milked the drama. Eh. It, it, a, a moment of acknowledgement would be fine for Yandu, but they went beyond a moment of acknowledgement and 
the funeral services and, and so forth. I mean, that and part was, just, was kind of... And it was just long-winded. And that Sylvester part. Stallone appearance was kind of dumb. You know, it's just all in all, the movie in itself was a little too comical. I think they, they, they lost sight. I think the Hollywood executives got their hands on it. Eh. And... And no, lost... no, the James Gunn, the, 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 that was his movie. He was allowed to do whatever he wanted. Yeah, well, then he's, he, he, he to me, uh. he almost pulled a um, Batman and Robin to me. <laughs> uh, really, uh, Schumacher, he almost pulled a Schumacher. You know, he apologized that re- for that recently. What, Schumacher? <laughs> uh, he's got to apologize to me a couple more times because that movie was a joke. But we're talking about, for, it was a brief tangent moment here, we're talking about Batman and Robin. Yeah. It, was a, it was an elaboration of a movie. Came out in 1997. I'm still trying to uh, forget the trauma. I went in there for free, and I still screamed refund after I went out because it was a refund of two uh, I don't hours. Like of either, my life. right? I mean, Batman Forever stunk too. Yeah, it's a turkey, but you know what? It wasn't as much of a turkey as the as the second yeah. one. Uh, so no, so is interesting. The um, beginning of the movie, they go back to like the late 70s or whatever, early 80s. And it's Kurt Russell, like as a young person with the, you know, with Chris Pratt, Star Lord's mother. And what's interesting is that, believe it or not, was not CGI in the way you think. So what they actually did was I actually met the actor at a convention recently, is guy named Aaron Schwartz, who was on some of the Mighty Mighty Duck movies, Disney movies, uh, hockey, and. Um, he actually played, and fun, the funny is that guy now looks a lot. He looks a lot like Kurt Russell. So what they did was they shot the scenes with Kurt Russell doing the part, and then they shot the scenes with this guy doing the part, and they wore like those dots on their, you know, on their face. And so what they did was in the post they they took the two of their faces and they they merged them. But with giving more of an emphasis on the younger guy than Kurt Russell, so in a sense they they kind of overlapped it, and it wasn't really CGI in that. So they were, there wasn't like a CGI model that they made up. Believe it or not, this is the first time that they really did this, and I think this is something that they'll probably do more of in, in the future because it seemed like it worked. Well, it, uh, it it kind of worked when they did um, Michael Douglas as a young guy in Ant Man. Yeah. Uh, was, they did a scene with young, you know, he was young in that, and that was uh, reasonably uh, well done. Um, I think prior to that, in in the major movie, well, the Arnold uh, didn't look very good. Nah, the Arnold didn't look very good. He looked and, uh, plasticky. And, and even go back further, the Tron Legacy, that was, that Jeff was Bridges bad. was even worse. That was pretty bad. Well, you know what? You could excuse that for one reason. You could say he was a virtual person. Eh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, that was also an earlier attempt. Yeah. But they did a good job. I, I, the CGI I wasn't comp- complaining about. My problem was, at the end of the movie, I didn't care. Um, it was just, the bottom line, the movie just... It was too uh, comedy. Ah, ha, ha, comedy, 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 group, comedy, group, comedy, group, comedy, group, comedy, group. You know, and it's like, you know, okay... Baby group, baby group, baby group. Oh, please. Say, say, you're, you're showing me all this group so you can market your toy. You could market your little group products that you're selling in the market. And But it had no relevancy to the plot. It was just, hey, let's show Groot again. Yeah, let's show Groot again. <laughs> well, the little kids in the theater seemed to like it. They were giggling. 
Yeah, but I mean, still, I mean, target audience. People, people getting killed and maimed in there. Mm. The scene with Yandu killing everybody. People falling off the ledges. That's not for kids, and yet they're marketing it for kids with this baby group. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, that movie to me could have been so much more, and it just went. It went mark. It 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 it, it was a marketing ploy. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, of course, it's a this. It's a Disney Marvel movie. Yes. However. Most Disney Marvel movies are not like that. Um, in regards to the Disney Marvel movies, yeah, they have some jokes and whatnot, but they don't take it to that degree. This movie took that comedy to the worst degree, to the nth degree, it, and to me, it detracted from the plot, it detracted from the story. You're gonna have all this comedy, but I'm not gonna feel for the characters because you're trying to get, you know, you're trying to get the latest joke out of it. To the latest laugh out of me, and it's not going to work. I want to see a story. I want to see conflict. Yeah. I want to see these co- characters playing off of each other. I want to feel what's going on in Star Lord's mind when he finds out certain things. But serious moment, followed by moments of comedy. Serious moment, tiny serious moment. Comedy, 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 comedy. Good, 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 good. Comedy, 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 comedy. Eh. And that's my opinion on that. And now. We go to a better movie. Uh, well, a movie that everybody hated, but well, Covenant. <laughs> we liked it. I liked. We it. liked it, but we. Were... You know what? Alien Covenant was a logical continuation to um, Prometheus, um, an earlier, obviously, uh, prequel to um, Ridley Scott's uh, prequel series for. Uh, the alien. alien franchise, and uh, I like the fact that he's taking it to a different concept. He's not—he's not trying to make aliens. He's not trying to make. Um, he's, he's, I would argue, though. Well, there's this, no space marines running around. No, I know. Around. I would argue that this thing was kind of a rehash of Alien combined with Aliens. No, I disagree. It seemed like you. it to me. I'll tell you why. You're not going down. They weren't constantly going down these dark corridors, especially in this film. They right. weren't. They weren't in cramped quarters. You weren't dealing with um, obviously the Marines with the machine guns. They didn't have a lot of weaponry involved. Um, you basically, he, he he's he's basically expanding on the lore uh, of the series. He's not just strictly. Um, well, what did you think of the the opening of the like? It took like it seemed like it took like forty five minutes from the beginning of the film before they get onto this alien planet. Prometheus, or we're talking about we're no, talking about Covenant. Covenant. Okay. It just seemed to me that was the one thing where I was like, boy, this this is taking too long to really get to the action. Well, they were building up these characters uh, primarily. Um, they were building up the characters. You were getting a feel for the ship. But then they killed them all. Well, no, they didn't kill them all. Pretty quickly, they killed a lot. Not, but not the whole lot were killed. You got to remember, the Covenant was pivotal to the story because, especially towards the end, uh, spoiler, can I spoil? Uh-huh. All right, well, spoiler, spoiler alert. Um, the robot. Well, the robot is the main villain. Yeah. Um, in in, in essence, he's you could say he's the main character. Um, the whole movie starts out with, um, I think it's uh, Waylon. And and his creation was just David, and uh, it's kind of like a the opening is it, it takes place even before Prometheus, yeah. 
and it's oh, much uh, further. Yes, and it, what happens is, is he's he's basically David's um, asked to walk by by Waylon, and there's a little dialogue between the two, and you find out that there's envy, in a way. Um, well, he talks about David talks about how he's going to. Well, he's a oh, god complex. Right. He looks at it as I'm better and smarter and, and stronger than this these humans who created me. You know, it doesn't seem right. It does. Why should? Why am I better than them? Because well, they created me, so I'm going to create something even even better. That's funny because uh, yeah, there was but there was a bit. He's of, an android who basically loses his mind. Well, he's he's also very envious of of humanity in the sense where even though he can live for countless of times he's still not human and and Wayland kind of points that out to him uh, but that's when he retorts and says you know not so much retorts but he he does reply something about you know living outliving him I forget who said it to whom but basically you find out he's going obviously going to outlive but as the story progresses um, you know you're dealing with the covenant ship and that's when you the characters are being built up so, and um, basically, he takes the ship from Prometheus. They arrive at what is assumed to be the engineer's home planet. Though it's never really said. He proceeds to kill them all. Yep. And he also proceeds to kill Rapach's character. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, basically, Rapach was uh, Naomi Rapach. She was the um, the uh, survivor of the Prometheus movie and she took off with um, David's head because <laughs> that's technically at the time that all that was left in well him. she fixed him I she guess she fixed him and in in, uh, in in response to that he uh, dissected her <laughs> um, you know um, what you find out during the course of the film he basically splits her open you get to see her entrails and all that fun stuff and um but uh, he has this hatred for humankind, but he also has a hatred for the engineers. The engineers being the ones who, who um, hated us in, in return. But he basically, he, he kills them by using um, the very weapon that they had, you know, sought out to kill everybody. So by the time the Covenant ends up well, on the planet... Well, it's not the same weapon. But, he, has, he has... Well, he's perfected it somehow. It. Yes. And, but by the time the Covenant arrives on the planet... Um, all the engineers are dead. Basically, they've all been destroyed by David. And um, they find out, they go on the planet, and they find that there's these different versions of uh, the alien, but they're not called xenomorphs. The alien that we know and love, nudge nudge, is, is, is the xenomorph. What they had was earlier incarnations of the alien, which were called neomorphs. And they, they had differences. Yeah, I mean, eventually he develops it to where he, he develops creates it into the, the face hugger. The, right, the xenomorph and stuff. Um, well, they did have semblances of, of the face hugger in Prometheus. Yeah. If you remember correctly. They were kind of like these squid like creatures yeah. that would attach themselves um, to the face. And the aliens would rip out differently. They wouldn't come out of your chest, they weren't chest bursters. The neomorphs would come out of your back. Yeah. And. Um, uh, the original one from Prometheus was called the Deacon Alien, or the Deacon Z. Uh, yeah. You know, it was it was a little different. They had different. But what, what's interesting about this is you get to find out that the actual, like we were talking about, the actual originator of the alien, as we know, the Xenomorph, is David. Mm. David actually created 
the alien. So it's it's interesting, you know, um, how Ridley Scott is just he's not going through a traditional route. He's actually adding different revelations, different. Um, do you think he's aspects. taking like a? Do you think he's like combining Blade Runner too much with the uh, with all the android stuff? No, because well, there's only one. There's all, there was only two androids in this movie, and that was David and uh, it basically is his, his brother robot. Yeah, uh, what's the uh, what the heck? We forget the name of the android. Eh. It's the other brother android. We'll just call him brother android. Well, they're, they're all Michael Fassbender. Right, they're all Fassbenders. So the the, the bottom line, um, it, it's it's interesting that how they're taking this film, and. You know, Ridley Scott is is doing a um, an origin story more than anything. We're not, you can't really root for a hero in these films because there's no, uh, well, at least primarily in Covenant, there's no outright hero in the film. I mean, you think there's a hero, but then you find out, you know, um, it ends up very bleak towards the end. Well, I think, uh, yeah, but I think uh, Catherine Waterston's character. Uh Daniels, I, I guess she is, you know, because she she survives with uh, what's his name, a Tennessee, yeah, Danny but, McBride. But the funny thing is, is they lose in the end. They're frozen. Well, and, we don't. And, well, they lose for now, but yeah. there will be another movie. We assume so. But I think they'll have their chance at. Uh, I think they're done. I they're think, done. I, I think they're done. Uh, All those characters are gonna, towards the end. They're going to be done. There's apparently two more movies, or three, it was two to three more movies. Let me see. We did two, one, two, three more movies. Uh, There's one more movie for sure. I heard that was two, actually. It was two after this. There's definitely one. I don't know if he's getting he, the second one. Well, he, I'm telling this movie didn't make a lot of money. But he basically, uh, well, according to him, he wants to have two more. And basically, these movies are going, when they end, it's Alien. Right. And, it, and uh, it's going to be on the planet LV-426. I think he'll probably do one more. That's what I would think. I think he'll do one more, and that's probably it. You have to admit, it's an interesting take. It's not Marines running around or, or an imitation. He's, he's taking it on a different level. He's taking it on a different story path that we would have never seen had somebody else had taken over. If Let's say if we had another Alien film uh, for Aliens, it would probably deal with Marines running around and... And basically, well, I think the Blomkamp movie would mm-hmm. the Blomkamp, which I still would love to see, but it's I don't think it's going to happen, at least not in, in anytime soon. Is that movie was going to be essentially a sequel to James Cameron's Aliens, and it would have basically replaced Alien Three, Alien Resurrection, which would have been ignored. Yeah, I hate when they do that. I know, but the, there's no other, there was no other way to advance the story. Oh, there's always a way to advance and the story logically, but these companies don't don't do the right thing. They, they weren't very good. Yeah, I guess, but still, I mean, what they could do is, like, um, what was it, with, with Alien, with Aliens, um, I don't know, it's just, it just they, 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 they decide to do these crazy things with these films, and it's always these implausible plots. Really, I find them annoying. Well, I think they could, they could have done it that way. But anyway, uh, yeah, Covenant, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought, um, I mean, I wasn't like, like you know, sweating in no. my seat. But I thought that once the action got going, um, 
I thought once the action got going that it, it was a much more of a traditional alien film. You know, they, uh, they had scary parts. They eventually, the xenomorph alien appears and attacks them, so. Uh, what I'm curious about is I'm wondering if um, Ripley's going to employ, I mean, Ridley, Ridley Scott, Ripley, hello. <laughs> Ridley Scott is going to employ any of the ideas and concepts proposed by James Cameron from the Aliens film. Um, yeah, but we didn't see a queen yet. Nah. It, 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 that's that's become an integral part of the whole alien uh, lore. You have the, but not have, his lore. True, but I I have a feeling that I have a feeling that he, he will he because aliens is considered a pivotal part of that series, without a doubt. Yeah. So you can't you, that that's that movie is too important to be discounted. As as alternate history or anything like that. I just think that there will be another movie where he will wrap up the whole David storyline, and then right. that'll be it. But I'm just curious what if I were to approach Ridley Scott. Excuse me, Mister Mister Scott. Eh. What would what would what's your take on the whole Cameron, you know, the Queen Alien thing? Would you embrace that? Is that part of the canon in your canon? Or are you going to overlook that? Because originally... I don't think he'll ever get to that point. Because you didn't have it in the first movie. Interesting you say that. Because originally he had... There was a scene that was cut out from the original 79 Alien. And the original concept was... Um, when the alien would, would cocoon you... And you're going to laugh at this, but this is what they thought... They, you would turn into an egg. Yep. And if you see, I have the book. It's the book of Alien. They actually have the scenes where him, where uh, Dallas and um, Brett, they were cocooned, and Brett is being turned into an egg. You basically see it kind of like the egg shape and I never the head. Understood inside. what the purpose of all that was, since the face hugger could come out anyway. Well, no. The face hugger came out of an egg. Yeah. And some of the original concepts that they had for the whole story, way before this this thing, uh, aliens were supposed to be, the xenomorphs were supposed to be very intelligent. They were supposed to be a race of their own. And, um, like, um, in the original concepts and the pictures that they had, they had these, um, these astronauts, you know, the, the Nostromo crew, they went inside this pyramid. And in the pyramid, they would have all these hieroglyphics, and you'd actually see the hieroglyphics uh, with the um, life cycle of the alien. And the aliens would actually basically sacrifice one of their own. The face hugger would attach to the uh, to the alien, and then the chest burster would burst out of that, uh, out of the alien. And it was kind of like a, a cycle that they would go through. And the other thing that was kind of weird that was unused as a concept was there was an altar that they had found, a stone altar, and underneath the altar that was holding up the top, the slab, were these eggs, and uh, a lot of a lot of interesting things. I know he, um, I know that Ridley Scott kind of re-explored some of those concepts in in Prometheus when he added the whole statues and the hier- you know, the, the statues yeah. and things and the hieroglyphics and. 
and he basically re-explored uh, some of the concepts uh, originally that were supposed to be originally used in the first Alien film. Um, did I like Covenant? I liked Covenant. I thought it was a well-made film. Um, it wasn't a traditional film, per se. Um, you didn't have the... Um, it, you didn't have the traditional good guy, bad guy type of feel, 100%. Um, it did have some moments of predictability, as all films do. But all in all, I, I, I like his, his, his whole progression on these, on these, on these films. Um, I like the fact that he also included the engineers in this one. Um, briefly. Briefly, but still, it was, it was a conclusion to that story arc, um, you know, uh, in regards to the engineers, because remember, in Prometheus, Naomi Rapash was supposed to seek them out and find out why they were trying to kill us. Yeah. And we never found out because yeah. they got killed. <laughs> uh, it's funny, a friend of mine, uh, the fellow, uh, you, you know him, he's a, the fellow podcasting great, the legendary uh, Frank Nora. Uh, you, you know him. You do. He, uh, you know him from like NAVA. He had this, this uh, theory that the ooze, the black, like, ooze in, like, Prometheus and all, that it was, like, psychotropic in the sense that it could, it, it would create your, like, greatest fear or something. It would create whatever, you, you, you would actually, like, in, you could uh, activate it, like, through, in a, in a way. So, like, for instance, at the beginning of Prometheus, you had one of the engineers drinks it. And he dies, and, and it, but it turns into life on Earth. Right. Like, that's what he envisioned it happen. And then when they, in Prometheus, when they got it, you know, they they thought, like, these, you know, terrible fears. and But then this movie kind of got rid of that. Well, um, I don't think it was psychotropic. What I think it did is, basically, it just rewrote your general uh, DNA. Yeah. It would just rewrite everything, and it would turn whatever it... it uh, it infected would would put that person or animal in a very prim, primordial state, um, very savage state, because it was becoming a new life form and it was doing anything and everything it could to survive. It it was very animalistic. There was no there was no true. Um, it was more of an instinctual. Uh, intelligence if you will it, it, there was no compassion the only thing it wanted to do was to survive and it would kill it and anything that was infected would kill it to survive pretty much like a predator um and it was ruthless but but yeah um it, it basically they would just do anything it would do you know could do to survive and um i lost my track of thought mm. <laughs> um blame it on the chicken there, i mean um but pretty much, the the, the whole thing with with the the ooze, um, you know, it's it's interesting because you actually get to see, you know, precursors to the alien throughout both movies, obviously. Um, and you know what also was interesting, the neomorph. There's a scene with the neomorph in Covenant, the um the whitish looking thing, and um. Fassbender, David, uh, comes across that um, creature, and he, he tries to calm it down, and for a moment, it, it does get calm. Yeah. And uh, the... 
And then uh, Billy Crudup <gasps> character shoots it to death. Yeah, he shoots it, and, and Fassbender loses. David loses it. Yeah, I was trying to gain its confidence. Yeah. You know, interesting. It was a good movie. I thought it was... I so it speaking was of Ridley Scott, uh, later this year is the uh, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, not to be confused with San Francisco Rush 2049. <laughs> I saw the trailer for it, I think, during the Alien Covenant. And I think it looked pretty good. And I'm not a, I'm not really a fan of the original. I, like the I think the original is boring. I love the original. But... It, it takes multiple watches to really get... All the little nuances of that film, but I, I but we will not talk about that now. Well, what's the ideal? If you had to re, let's say you want to get ready for the new movie, which stars now it stars Ryan Gosling, you want to get ready for it. Which which version of Blade Runner would you watch? Because there's like ten versions at this well, point. Well, obviously the one that he he intends, uh, or at least which is that the final cut. There's, that there's, is that the the, the final the, final the final cut. Uh, pretty much. Well, it basically, it, the final cut implies that uh, Deckard, which is the character played by uh, Harrison Ford, is in never essence, heard of him. Huh? Never heard of him. Okay. Deckard is essence in essence is an android, and you get um, you get to see that. What, what happens is is that the, the giveaway is um, Deckard has a dream, and in that dream there there are unicorns, and um, very subtle scene. And he has a dream about these unicorns. And at the end of the film, uh, Edward James Olmos uh, leaves behind this little tinfoil character uh, that's in the shape of a unicorn. Now, now Olmos did not know, uh, you know, he didn't go into uh, Harrison Ford's dreams. He just kind of knew what the dream was. It's implied. And towards the end of the film, which is really important. Um, yeah, but do androids age in Blade Runner? Um, that's a good question. Because uh, now in the in the sequel, he's old. Um, apparently, apparently they they think they do. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't quote me. That's a good question. Uh, I do know that at the end of the film, at the director's cut, the final cut of Blade Runner, um, you see Harrison Ford's character and uh, R- Rachel. I forget her last name. Um, R- Rachel. Uh, you know the the woman android, the one he. Uh, he wants to rescue. Um, basically, when you're an android in the film, there's this really weird reddish hue in the um, in the uh, in your eyes, and basically, and that's how you know you're. Well, it, the the watcher kind of gets an idea that it's an android, and at the end of the film, as the doors are closing between uh, Deckard and, and and Rachel, it, it, when the doors are closing, you kind of get a shot of their eyes. And they both have that same hue, and that's deliberate to show that they're possibly android. Uh, he's possibly an android as well. Um, well, I, I thought it was a good film. I, I liked the original Blade. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I think the sequel looks pretty good, but we shall see. Oh, any, anything else? No, I'm I'm kind of stuffed. That's why I probably. <laughs> That's that's part of it. That's why I'm kind of like mumbling uh, incoherencies from time to time. It's 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 the fatness speaking, the fatness that's in my belly, and it's actually going to my brain. <laughs> I, we ate well. We ate quite well. And, uh, you gonna check on your potatoes? Oh yeah, that's right. They've been there for like ever. Yeah, super starchy. Here I go.